0: The second pick will be made by the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that means that the first pick in the 2022 NBA Draft goes to the Orlando Magic. Yeah, NBA Strayer, how are you going? Hang on. It is NBA It's Wednesday. Pump D! May 18th, it's gonna be May. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes. Whomstever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff here in Larry Armour Studios, repping Australia, talk and all things NBA playoffs. And I'll tell you what, the NBA Draft Lottery today! The third best day of the NBA year. We had conference finals kicking off. We've got rule changes. We've got a mid-season tournament. It's all going on. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that. We're going to break down Heat Celtics game one in the NBA Australia game wraps. We've got That's Not a Knife, All Mate, No Mate, sputter of the Night, Better Than Lonzo Ball. We've got some Yeah, Nazi, Unpopular Opinion of the Day, and Outback take House, where we're serving up a Flame Girl take. Uh, no Australian player watch today, because uh, obviously Greeny plays tomorrow. But we do have a great moment in NBA Australia stat history, which was Patty Thrills Mills' first appearance in the Western Conference Finals love it uh, and then we'll preview and pick tomorrow's game one for Maz Juarez love it let's get into it episode 818 of NBA Australia let's go this is Joe Ingalls and you're listening to NBA Australia Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. You better watch out for the Jimmy Butler attack. Oh, jeez. Even the Boston Celtics. Oh, ho, ho, ho. that was fun, wasn't it? All right, let's get stuck into today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Straight with the Daily Whip Around. Right, a couple of little bits of news. The rule changes. The NBA look like they are uh, going to fast track changing the transition take foul, uh, which would give essentially, look, Everybody in Australia watches a bit of the NBL. You've got the unsportsmanlike foul. You've got the transition take foul in FIBA. We all know that the NBA is like, oh, actually, yeah. Now this, now this has become a bit of a fucking problem, hasn't it? So we better change it, man. Uh, which is good. So one free throw and you keep the ball. Essentially, they talked about it. They had the general managers meeting in Chicago with the uh, draft lottery happening. So we got a bit of an update on that. And everybody is just like, yep, the transition take foul is fucked. We need to get rid of it. So the offensive team will get one free throw and keep the ball. Good. Because you know what we don't want? Take fouls. They suck. They slow down the game. All it is is making sure that you're de- your defense is a bit rooted that you don't get on the back foot. Boom. Anyway, uh, so good stuff. Good job, NBA. The tournament. They're discussing the in-season tournament that could begin as soon as the 23-24 season, if you ask me. Stop dragging your feet, you cowards. Do it next year. What are you doing? Obviously, the play-in tournament's all good to go. It's been a raging success. Everybody loves it, unless you're a fucking idiot. Uh, to be honest, I reckon they should expand the play-in tournament as well. I've been a big advocate of that. Uh, but the in-season tournament, 23-24, they reckon. Elvin Gentry, after being... Uh, Put aside by the Sacramento Kings as their uh, coach, their interim Kings coach, remember? Remember how they fired Luke Walton? That seems like about 80 years ago, doesn't it? And Gentry coaching the rest of the way. They still suck, didn't matter. Uh, but either way, he's in the front of us full-time as Vice President Basketball Engagement, which is kind of neat. Good on him. I love Alvin Gentry. Everybody loves Alvin Gentry. Okay, he's got a funny voice. I love him. Not a great coach, but here we are. Danny Green. Oh, injury news sucks. If only Joel Embiid hadn't been too busy fucking flopping around like a goddamn seven foot two Cameroonian fish and just stayed on his fucking feet, Danny Green would not have a torn ACL. That's right. It's been diagnosed as a torn ACL for Danny Green. That sucks. He's about to turn 35. it has got another year of rehab for that ACL. And uh, Joe Embiid probably needs to hook up Danny Green with a bit of cash because he fucking screwed the pooch here. And if you don't believe me, just go back and watch it. Yes, oh, mistakes happen, accidents happen. Yeah, guess what? Accidents and mistakes happen when you're fucking flopping around on the court and going to the ground unnecessarily. Just saying now Danny Green pays the price. Pretty fucking brutal. The Hornets still looking for a coach. Uh, they're interviewing Terry Stotts. You might remember him from the Portland Trail Blazers. And uh, they had their second interview with Darvin Ham, Bucks assistant, and my pick for the Charlotte job, Kenny Atkinson, former Nets coach, now an assistant with the Golden State Warriors. I reckon Kenny Atkinson's the best candidate right there for the Hornets. A dude who knows what he's doing, head coaching experience, has been under the bright lights there in Brooklyn and can help develop their young dudes and push them up to, you know, a next level without having to deal with any of the fucking superstar head cases that he did in the back end of his Brooklyn tenure. Because he did a great job. So I got to watch Kenny Atkinson up close over a couple of years there in Brooklyn. And the way that he helped and encouraged those players to become the best versions of themselves was awesome. Like... Those teams were horrible, but he still coached the shit out of them, and that's exactly what Charlotte need. So I'd say go with him. Right, the NBA draft lottery happened. Ding. Love the draft lottery. Absolutely love it. I keep saying it's the third best NBA day of the year, only trailing the draft lottery, uh, the draft itself, and opening day. Oh, Jimmy, what about the finals? Yeah, but the finals, look, that means that the season's coming to an end. It's a bit of a sad and also happy time. <laughs> but anyway, the draft lottery wrap, you had some uh, pretty fun representatives there, but, I mean, it was just a bit dour, wasn't it? You had Varajau, you had Rip Hamilton, you had Swing Cash, you had Worldwide Wes for the Knicks. The Admiral, David Robinson, was there. The Suvlaki King, Demata Sabonis, Dame Lillard. His draft lottery luck uh, for the Blazers were about as good as his injury luck this year. Jesus Anyway, uh, so what happened? Well, Cleveland. Cleveland. Stay in 14. Charlotte stay in 13. OKC roll with 12. That's the one they get from the Los Angeles Clippers in the Paul George trade. The Knicks stay at 11. Bold The Wizards are at 10. Nine, San Antonio Banderas Spurs. Eight, the Pelicans. They get that from the Lakers. Love it. Uh-oh, Portland dropped to seven because Sacramento jump into the top four. Indy get number six. I think that's the highest they've picked since they took Rick Schmitz. Hello, the uh, grinning Dutchman named Rick Schmitz. All the way back in like 19 diggity <laughs> uh, Then number five. If you thought Portland falling down to seven from six was bad, have you met the Detroit Basketball Pistons? Oh, no. Detroit at number 5. That is brutal. And then so we get our uh, mandated you know, top 4. We better cut to commercial. We come back, Sacramento at number 4, 3 Houston, 2 OKC, and number 1 Orlando. So that means Sacramento dropped in the top jumped in the top 4. So did OKC moved up as well ahead of Detroit. They had the uh fourth worst record. And there you go. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to yell about this in a second, but that was a shit show of a broadcast. Malika Andrews was awesome, but fucking hell. There was like zero drama. They ran through it, and it's like, yo, you guys need, without any big market teams apart from like Houston, it was literally everywhere else is like a small, small market team. Orlando, OKC, Sacramento, Detroit, Indy, Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio. And then you get to the Wizards and the Knicks in 10 and 11. It's like, yeah, there's not going to be that much drama if you don't have like a Sixers, a Boston, a Lakers, even a Chicago, etc. Just like one of those big, big fan bases in it. But either way, let's do quick winners and losers really quickly. Obviously, Orlando is a winner. Uh, They get their pick of Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Pat Mahomes. I mean, Paolo Banchero. Did you see that? At the Miami GP, <laughs> Martin Brundle going, "Hey, it's Pat Mahomes." <laughs> Paulo Banchero is like, "Fucking what?" Uh, but anyway, gives them a direction and gives them a face, a focal point. Because I tell you what, this Orlando Magic team—if look, sickos like me cares about the Orlando, like care about the Orlando Magic, right? Everybody else is like, "Who the fuck is on that team?" Because it's a bunch of number four, five, six, seven picks. Cole Anthony. You've got Markel Fultz, but he's also the guy who's been on cotton wool basically since he freaked himself out in his first year in Philly, and away we go, you know? So now they get to basically add to that somebody who can represent that franchise, be their focal point, and give everybody like a load stone essentially for that franchise, right? And of course, on top of that, they get their choice. They get to get their guy. They get to look at everybody. The top three, they go, who fits us best? Who do we like the most? We're taking them. Love it. So this is, uh, what, they've also won it before with Shaq, Chris Webber, and then Dwight Howard. So they've obviously looked at this going, well, wow, there's some big guys at the top of this draft. I think we better win it. <laughs> so good job, Orlando. Okay, so you're a winner. They jump up. They get the number two pick to pair with Gids and Shiretta Gilgis Alexander. That's perfect. Um because I mean, anyone remaining at two after whoever Orlando takes is will fit perfectly and be an instant upgrade. Also, gives them a very nicely rounded out roster with a couple of really good guards and kids and shy. You then have you know either Chet Jabari or Paolo, whoever you feel like, and off you go. Like they've got number two and twelve as well, which is really handy because uh, you know you get another swing at twelve to see who you like there. Add another piece, off you go. Great job, OKC. The Pelicans also win as well. They make the playoffs. Now they get the eight pick because of the AD trade, which is hilarious. Uh, But also that's like ammunition for another upgrade trade if they need to or just to add more talent, whatever they need to do. If they go, right, DeAndre Ayton, let's go get him. Here's Jonas Valanciunas of the eight pick (laughs) and whatever else we need to throw in. Off you go. Uh, But either way, good win for the Pelicans. The losers, obviously the Kings. Oh, but Jimmy, they jumped up into the top four, bro. Yeah, in a three-player draft. <laughs> Nothing could be more Sacramento-y, apart from overlooking Luka because they're fucking idiots. Uh, always drafting the wrong dude, seemingly. But either way, in a three-player draft, they jump from seven to four. Kangs. Uh, Detroit are obviously losers because that's an absolute disaster. Uh, dropping from the top three to the number five, in a three-player draft, like you go from pairing Cade Cunningham with another absolute top-notch blue chipper in Chet, Jabari, or Paolo to going, fuck, we'll take whoever we like best at five and it looks like we're tanking for another year. You know, like Detroit, we're right there on the verge of having two legit stars probably on their team to having a star in Cade and then maybe... A big question mark, whoever they pick at five this year. So that's a tough one. Paul are obviously losers as well because not only do they not jump up, they drop from six to seven, and they're reminded again and again and again that they traded CJ McCollum, Norm Powell, and Robert Covington for absolutely sweet fuck all. Great job. Great job by the GM who just got promoted to their actual proper GM. Interim GM, completely screws the pooch, trades away everybody for nothing. Oh, we got Josh Hart, man. Yeah, great. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, and now they've got number seven. That's a real kick in the pants from dreaming of, like, pairing uh, Chet Holmgren, you know, local product with Dame, to going, right, who can we get if we trade number seven? Ugh, not a great one. And, of course, another loser, always the Knicks. They haven't moved up since they drafted Patrick Ewing in 1985. What a stat that is. That is unbelievable. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with the game wrap right after this. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do it. Game wraps. Game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap. Game wrap, game wrap. wrap. That's right. The Eastern Conference finals, 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 Finals started, didn't they? And what a way to start. Miami win at 118-107. What a game A tale of two halves. Yeah, no shit. It's really more of a tale of three quarters versus one quarter where Boston uh, dominated the game seemingly. They literally won three quarters of the four. Unfortunately, they got so fucking shit pumped <laughs> in the other quarter that they lost by 11. Uh, but what a great start this was for Boston. They looked absolutely unreal. The thing was, Noel Horford. He's in the COVID protocols. No Marcus Smart. You're like, oh shit, watch out. And uh, my tip of Miami minus one and a half looked pretty good going in to the point where I think it blew all the way out to like minus four and a half. But they do get Time Lord back. And watching that first half, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, maybe having Robert Williams back, that, you know, softens the blow of losing Horford a bit. And defensively, like, we're all, we've got this shit on a string at the moment. Maybe losing Marcus Smart's not too bad. Boston absolutely strangled the life out of the heat from the get-go. It was like, they start, I think, like, 0 of 6, the heat, and don't score for, like, the first almost three minutes of the game. It's like, oh, jeez, we've got a out This is... Look like everyone's playing blacked out. But either way, uh, they came out playing with the same intensity, Boston, that they had against Milwaukee. And this was like one of those things going into the game where you're like, yeah, they've just played one of the hardest series of their goddamn lives. They get past Giannis. And how are they going to go going in against Miami? Game one, rested Miami. And it looked like the Heat were the ones that were absolutely discombobulated and not ready. The Celtics look like they just rolled straight off that last series and rolled straight into this one, which they had, and it felt like they're almost playing a different game. Their defense was at such a different level. The Heat were just almost shell shocked. They're like, "Fuck, nothing we're doing is working." It was chaos, and like Boston, having just played that Milwaukee like series, it was almost they couldn't believe how much space they had. They shot like almost sixty percent in the first quarter, in the first half. The Heat. Meanwhile, they were sort of skipping the ball around, just couldn't get anything going. They went 4-14 of from downtown, and they just looked completely ragged. And Boston, like, ring up, what, 62 on them in the first half, and you're like, all right, geez, they're up eight, feeling good, looking good, and, like, especially in that first quarter, like, you're sort of watching it going, yeah, they're just controlling this. Tatum came out of the gates like the absolute clappers. He had 10 points in the first quarter. And everybody, apart from basically Butler and Bam on the uh, heat, just did not look ready. Hero actually came in and like sort of changed the pace of it. Like They got out in transition a little bit. And he looked like, I don't know, 85 times faster than literally everybody else that team had. But the Celtics were just that good. They're like, all right, cool. Our defense is so good. Even without Marcus Smart, it doesn't matter. We've got Derek White and we'll stymie them. And that's exactly what sort of happened for the first half. Because then it flipped. Oh, boy, did it flip. Oh, boy, did it flip. So you go from 62-54 after the first half. And then it just gets absolutely fucking crazy. The Heat rip off the 22-2 run to start the third quarter. They take a lead and completely dominate the Celtics. And they never let up. The key, I think they're in that third quarter. Gabe Vincent finally hits a three. Jimmy Butler gets another two. And then Struis hits a three. What do I always say about Miami? A, you never trust anybody who says, what do I always say? B, the Mosquito Fleet. If the Mosquito Fleet of Gabe Vincent, Struis and Co. is actually firing, Miami are horrifyingly dangerous. They go from eight down to 12 up. And it was absolutely chaos. There was a moment where Butler had back-to-back steals and the place was going absolutely apeshit. Even that crazy Miami crowd. That Miami crowd where we go, oh, geez, there's nobody there. It's halfway through the second quarter, bros. They were absolutely loving it, uh, all looking like they'd just come out of the tanning salon. I love the heat crowd. And they were rolling. It was absolutely incredible. The crazy part was like, the Celtics did rip off like a nine-zip run in that third quarter. And that was the closest they got again. It was down to three, I think, with four minutes left in the third. And then Butler just did what Jimmy Butler does. Slowed it down, slowed it down, slowed it down, got to the line. Gabe Vincent got to the line. Dwayne Dedmon got in there. And the Celtics, having barely scored for the first half of that quarter, rip off that nine straight run and then don't score again for the last two and a half minutes of the third quarter. Then Butler gets a fucking foul on Aaron Naismith right at the end of the third quarter with like 0.8 of a second left. Hits both. The Heat come out of the quarter up 17. 17! They outscored them by 25 in the third quarter alone. So they go down 8, from down 8 to up 17. It's a 39-14 third quarter. Just one for the ages. The craziest part was, same as Luca. Dropping 27 and matching the Suns' score for a half. Jimmy Butler had 17 points in the third quarter. The Celtics had 14. It was incredible. The thing was, they only went three and nine from downtown in the quarter, too. And it's like one of those, you know, in today's NBA, you're like, oh, geez, well, they must have hit like seven or eight threes, bro. Nah. This is the Miami Heat. They went to the line 17 times. <laughs> the game ground to a halt. You're like, oh, God. We better review another thing. What do you reckon, Tony Brothers? He's like, yeah, oh, I better give out a couple of double techs and uh, better review everything. We'll give Bam a technical for boxing out. <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway, the Celtics go 2 of 15 in the third quarter. 0 of 7 from downtown. They have eight turnovers. Tatum has six of them by himself. Uh, Hero starts off the fourth quarter with uh, three free throws. So suddenly the header up 20 and you're like, holy shit, this is going to turn into a laugher. But... The Celtics, to their credit, they fought back. They fought back. Pritchard hit a three. Jalen Brown finally got going because I think Brown through three quarters had nine total points. He'd shot three of 12. It was absolutely brutal. And then he dropped 15 in the fourth quarter. He played all 12 minutes of the fourth. He goes four of four from the floor. Four of four five from the floor. There you go, Jimmy. Three of three from free, Three for free. And uh, get some sort of rolling back into it, right? They're only down 10. And, oh shit, watch out. We might be uh, having one here. And then Butler, what does he do? Steps up. He hits a two. Tatum answers with a three. PJ Tucker answers with a three. Brown answers with a three. Struce hits a three. It's absolute chaos. And it turns into then, after that, you know, not much has changed. And then it turns into a block and turnover party. The Heat were blocking everything. And there were just turnovers plenty. You're like, what is happening? And it just felt like they only had like one turnover in that fourth quarter, the Boston Celtics, but it felt like about eight because of all the blocks. <laughs> like it was just, what is happening? They had four blocks in the fourth and just ground the Celtics down. Like Jalen hit another three like late. It's still 10 points, but Struce answers again. He gets one more three to go. Two minutes left in the game. There's still a 10-point game. This is doable. Tater misses a three, just was completely off from downtown. It felt like all game. And uh, that was almost all she wrote. Like Pritchard hit a three. They were about to bring in the bench. <laughs> and he hits a smokes of three. The belly hits of the net. Seven-point game. But then Butler blocks a ne- the next shot by Pritchard, and Tater misses a layup, and the game's over. And the S- Miami Heat, absolutely out of nowhere, have won game one. This was a, a weird game. A wild game. And it sort of played to both teams' strengths and weaknesses, if that makes sense. Like, both teams were like, right, defensively we can lock down. But then the Celtics in that third quarter just defensive, like, just got real fucking loose with the ball. You can't turn the ball over eight times in a quarter and expect to really stay in the game. Because I think in that third quarter, those eight turnovers just turned into 12 free Miami points, right? And... You're just giving away points at that time. And the Heat get to the line 17 times in the third. It's just too hard. So the Celtics, I think Brown and Pritchard both hit four threes. They go 11 of 34 from downtown. That's like where you sort of miss that weird Marcus Smart, Al Horford. Maybe you pick up one or two from those dudes. Tatum goes 10 of 21 from the floor, two of nine from downtown. Ends up with a 29, eight, and six with four steals, but seven turnovers, six in the third quarter. Brown ends up with 24 and 10 after he drops that... uh, 15 points in the fourth quarter, where it was crazy just to sort of see him wake up. (laughs) You're like, okay, great to see you there, Jalen Brown. Nice of you to join us. But at the same time, he also missed like two free throws at a pretty crucial juncture as well. It's like they just needed to put points on the board and they just couldn't get them. Uh, But either way, Pritchard was amazing. The fact that Peyton Pritchard is out there putting up 18 points, the fact that he took 16 shots is crazy. Goes 4 of 11 on three, 6 of 16 overall. Uh, again, though, like if you're relying on Peyton Pritchard, you're in a lot of trouble. Time Lord, he was huge in the first half. He had 12 and 5 in a couple of blocks in the first half. 5 of 5 from the floor. Ends up with 18, 9, and 2 blocks. But Ima Yudoka was just fucking going spare at Time Lord, Robert Williams, in that third quarter where it just felt like being sloppy and loose with the ball, uh, turning the ball over on like, Weird offensive charges, moving screens, and Time Lord just not being in the right spot when he needed to be. It was a bit tough, but it was like one of those in the first half, you're like, Yeah, Time Lord's back and holy shit, he looks like the he looks like what Bam should be looking like. Like it was so weird that Bam looks so bad in the first half, whereas Time Lord looks so good. You're like, did they just freaky Friday each other? Did they just piss in the same fountain? What the fuck? Anyway, Time Lord, great game in the end. Uh, But really, his influence waned in that second half. Derek White, good defensively for a lot of this, ends up one of four shooting, three points, four assists. Oof, bit of a tough one for the Buffalo. Uh, Danny Tice ends up with eight and four with one amazing block. Talk about that later. Uh, Naismith, look, it looks rough, but Naismith goes 0 of three, all of which were from downtown, but he had three blocks and a steal. It was such a weird Naismith game. Who they sort of throw in there to uh, help, sort of just you know, who else are they going <laughs> to? They're missing Smart. They're missing Horford. They're already playing the shit out of Peyton Pritchett. Uh, so Naismith ends up playing like eleven minutes. He had one rebound, three fouls, one steal, three blocks. Ends up with zero points in his eleven minutes, but plays the Heat to the standstill. He ends up with a plus minus of zero in eleven minutes. That's incredible. You know, so great job, Naismith. I guess. <laughs> Be nice if he could hit a fucking shot. And the same goes for a Grant Williams. That's right, Grant Spud Williams, two of five, seven points, one rebound. He was dealing with foul trouble a bunch of this game, but it felt like the Heat just sort of uh, put fouls on him at like the least opportune time for the Celtics. Uh, and of course, sixteen Celtic turnovers lead to nineteen points, eight turnovers in the third quarter. As mentioned, it was brutal. It just felt like the Celtics' turnovers were way more disastrous than any of the ones that the Heat had as well. Because I think for the game, they only ended up with 16 total, which is still a lot, uh, to the Heat's 12. But, I mean, it just felt like every time, especially in the second half, that the Celtics turned it over, it was just like, all right, pack her up. What are we doing? Oh, geez. And there you go. So, for the Heat, the story was... Jimmy fucking Butler. What a game! What an insane game! How are we just not calling him playoff Jimmy? Like, it's crazy. 41 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 3 blocks! An insane two-way game. He goes, what? 12 of 19 from the floor, 17 of 18 at the free throw line. Absolutely crazy. As mentioned, outscores the Celtics in the third quarter alone. Uh, But I think... As a team, the Heat ended up with 12 blocks, and it felt like, just especially in that second half, every time the Celtics would be driving, the Heat would just have someone in the paint just to sort of throw a hand up. And for some reason, the Celtics just had no space all of a sudden. It's pretty weird. Great adjustments by the Heat. Uh, just sort of giving them a little bit more space on the perimeter and going, right, cool, we'll funnel you, and then we'll have our help defense come over. We're going to cause some havoc. We know that we can recover just as quickly as you can, so off we go. Ten steals. Twelve blocks. That's a lot. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, Bam ends up with only ten points and four rebounds, but I think played a pretty good defensive game. Seventeen for Gabe Vincent. What a game from him. Five of ten shooting, three of seven from downtown. Struis goes for eleven, three of eight from downtown. There goes my hero, Tyler Hero. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, shots, 7 of 15. Couldn't buy a 3. 1 of 5 from downtown, but I loved his change of pace, and I did like that on the broadcast. They're like, yeah, he's like the only bloke basically outside of Jimmy Butler who can create his own shot. Him and Victor Oladipo, and uh, he was such a change of pace. It was great. Oladipo created his own shot, just didn't hit any of them. 2 of 9 for him, 5 points. Had a couple of steals, though. Caleb Martin hit a big 3. Uh, he had 5 points. 6 and 4 for Duane Dedman. Either way, A great team win for the Heat based around just an absolutely inhuman performance by Jimmy Butler. And it's like the thing the Celtics couldn't quite get, right? Like Tatum, with the struggles from three, he got to the line a shit ton, it felt like. But you want him to go like a couple more times. Like Jimmy Butler just went, right, I'm just going to keep fucking going. And Butler ends up with double the amount of free throw attempts that Tatum did, right? Tatum ends up with 7 of 9. And Butler goes 17 of 18. That's your key right there, I'll tell you that much. Either way, he got one zip. Let's do an NBA Australia-approved performance of the night. This one's pretty easy. (laughs) That's not a knife. That's a knife. Jimmy fucking Butler! What a game! Are you kidding? That was amazing. The way he just goes, right, I don't even care that you've got the best defense in the NBA. I don't even give a shit. I'm Jimmy Butler. I'm going to outwork you. And not only that, on the defensive end, I'm just gonna like rack up steals and blocks out my ass. Forty-one points, nine rebounds, five dimes, four steals and three blocks. But I think my favorite there's a couple of favorite aspects to this, right? Jimmy Butler has like looked at this game and went, right, you got Brown, you got Tatum. They're gonna come at us hard. The first half, they were absolutely smashing them. Butlers are at right, slow it down. Slow it down, let's grind them out with a bit of heat culture. We're going to out-tough them. I'm going to out-alpha this team. I'm the toughest guy out here. And guess what? He fucking was. PJ Tucker, I didn't even mention him in the uh, rap there, but it's because, I mean, he ends up with five points, six rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals. Ah, sorry, 4 fouls, 1 steal, 1 turnover, but also like rolled his ankle and was very clearly in a shit ton of pain grits it up, comes back out. Holy moly. And Jimmy Butler is just like, all right, PJ is going to put his body on the line. I'm going to come out and kick some ass and take some names. That stretch in the middle of the third where they were just absolutely rolling. So Struess gets a steal and a dunk, and then Butler gets a steal, hits a little J in the lane, and then gets another steal. The back-to-back-to-back steals, and Butler then gets that dunk. Like He's just eyeballing where the ball is and just picking it off like with ease. I think that second dunk, the second steal and dunk, put the Heat up 12, and that was the 20-point turnaround. and got the team right into it. It got the entire fucking uh, newly named Heat Arena. What is it, the PTX Arena, whatever it was called, right into it. Everybody was going off their fucking chops. Like, they were going off their chops at different points of that third quarter, but that was just the holy shit, we're steamrolling these motherfuckers right now moments, and it was all Jimmy Butler. 41-9-5 41 9 and 5 with four steals and three blocks. Where is that got to go? This is going straight to the pool room. And Jimmy Butler just loves doing this, doesn't he? He's like, "Right, what do you need? A 40-point triple-double in the finals against the Lakers? I got gotcha. you." Boom. Tobias Harris over me. You love to see it. Who is Spud of the Night, though? Spud, 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 Spud. Spud of the night. Spud of the night. Grant Williams, uh being a second uh team worst, minus fourteen in his thirty-four minutes. Seven points. Oh boy. One rebound. Two assists. One steal and two turnovers. It was brutal. And this is like the trick or treat aspect of Grant Williams, right? Like where he takes what was it, 18 threes <laughs> last game. And and hits a shit ton of them, hits seven of them, and off you go. Tonight gets seven points. Is in foul trouble for most of this game. Picked up some bullshit ticky tacky fouls too. There was one where he went straight up and they caught a foul on him, which was a bit bullshit. There's another one, a loose ball on the floor. He's kind of going for the ball. It trips up Bam. Gets tagged with I think his fourth foul at that point. And uh really stymies his offensive game on that end for Grant Williams. He's also, you know, he did a pretty good job on across like Bam and Co. Uh playing upper size. Like he and Time Lord really, really sort of limited Bam's influence. But at the same time, Grant Williams also only taking five shots. Well, you've got 16 shots of Peyton Pritchard means that he just did an absolute fucking number on him. Uh, and six turnovers in the third quarter by Jason Tatum. Look, you don't want to say one player caused them to lose the game, but one player may have also loo- you know, lost them this game. Because Tatum's third quarter was just... It was downright abysmal. Like, every time he touched the ball, it's like, ah, oh, let's get him. He went 0 of 2 from the floor. He had six turnovers. Unbelievable. The only saving grace is that he got to the line a couple of times. Goes, what, five or six at the free throw line. Sends so up with five points in the quarter, but still he had more turnovers than points. And it was not great. So tough scenes there for Jason Tatum in that third quarter. Very spud worthy as well. Who's old mate, no mates? Old mate, no mates. 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 Old mate, no, mates. Mate, no, mates. Mate, no mates. Who's got no mates today? It was still Pat Bev uh, for all of his ESPN takes. I'm enjoying the JJ Redick is just like, you're a fucking idiot. Shut up. Matt Barnes going, you're a fucking idiot, shut up. <laughs> Dame going, you're a fucking idiot, shut up. Uh, it's sort of like is one of those things where ESPN are like, oh, no, 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 what we'll do is we'll get Pat Bev on to say some crazy shit and we'll see what happens. That's basically what they did with Kendrick Perkins, and now they've made him an actual talking head, whereas no one has ever listened to Kendrick Perkins talk and go, wow, there's an insightful comment, rather than just like become an actual take machine. So good on him. Maybe Pat Bev can turn into a, uh, you know, Kendrick Perkins type in a few years. Off he goes. But either way, another old mate, no mates for today. Struess got a tech for being shoved by Grant Williams. I enjoyed that. Struce kind of gave uh, Grant Williams a bit of a push out of the road uh, to get the ball after a made Boston basket. And Grant Williams flops. Because there's... Look, if Max Struess had a fucking running start, I don't think he could push Grant Williams over. You know? Grant Williams is built like a fucking mailbox. But... Struce then sort of goes to the ball and Grant Williams shoves him and they both get techs. It's like, what the fuck just happened? Anyway, um, and it was good to see. I think the refs then rewarded Miami with a uh, bit of a bam flop on the other end as well. But either way, bit of a old uh, mate, no mates for Maxi Struce getting a tech. He's like, what the fuck? I didn't do shit. I just got shoved by Grant Williams and I'm getting a tech? This is bullshit. Anyway, pantsing the night. Uh, take any Jimmy Butler steal, any Jimmy Butler block, but maybe the Butler block on the Tatum three was just absolutely yeah, get the fuck out of here. But also the pants of the night, Dwayne Deadman got fully banned by Danny Tice, didn't he? Almost the exact same sent back blocked dunk that Bam had on uh, Tatum in the bubble, the Buble, back in uh, 2020, two years ago when these two teams last faced off in the uh, faced off in the Eastern Conference Finals. Bam has the very famous uh, stopping the block midair, the hand bent back and sending it off. That's what Danny Tice did to Dwayne Deadman today. That's a bit of a pantsing because, like, you've got a dunk. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Danny Tice did it. All right, finally, better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school, he was the best player in college. You think you going to get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros, now I can be average? He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Ah, we've got two here. Peyton Pritchard. I loved it. The fact that he took 16 shots is crazy to me, but I love it because he's got no compunction not to shoot it. He's like, Derek White doesn't want to shoot. Cool. I'm going 4 of 11 from downtown. 18 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 fouls. A steal and a turnover. And, of course, Maxie Struess and Gabe Vincent. I love the Mosquito Fleet. They combined for 28 points the undrafted second-year players. 28 points between them. 6 of 15 from downtown. I love it. Nine of 19 from the floor. What a combo. What an absolute combo, the Mosquito Fleet. I love them. I fucking love them. Give me more, Maxi and Gabe. Good shit. Uh, But either way, good to see the young dudes firing today. It's good stuff, as well as Jimmy Butler, of course. But either way, let's do some Yenars right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimick. This is Miss McCarron. This is Jason Kadee. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Eli. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as WorTho. and you're listening to NBA Australia. You listen to NBA Australia. You're listening 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 to NBA Australia. All right, let's do some YNRs. Yeah, They're brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. Go get your merch, get your merch. People. get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Yeah, go listen to Lonzo. Because uh, remember that Maxi gave Vincent, and uh, your man Peyton Pritchard are all better than Lonzo Ball today because Lonzo's never played in the playoffs. So it's pretty easy. Anyway, uh, go get your merch, get your merch. NBA Australia shop over at nba slash shop. Or just clicking on any links through our socials. They're right there. They look pretty in their photos. Go check it out. I did all that myself, you know. I'm just multi-talented, I reckon. Either way, go check them out. Great, great quality T-shirts. The hoodies are amazing, too. So warm. I'm actually wearing one right now. How good was that? Almost like product placement if I was doing a video. Right, let's do some yeah, nahs. Number one, can the Celtics turn this around? Yeah, nah, yes, of course. Yeah, nah, yeah, of course. I mean, this is what I picked. That they lose game one, but win this series. Um, I mean, without Smart and Horford, it was always going to be tough in this game. Like, Smart, you kind of realize that was going to be the ouch moment because looking at this series as a whole, you thought, right, they are absolutely, absolutely uh, set up to defend Jimmy Butler uniquely out of like the other teams out there in the East. But then you lose smart, and then the kick in the pants is Horford being out with the Coco uh, protocol. So, look, they can easily bounce back because I think they are great at adjusting. I think they can always up their uh, focus and attack and their defense. So I can still see them, look, maybe winning game two, and if they don't and they go down 0-2, I could easily see them turn around and win game three, four, and maybe even sweep the rest of the series. So... uh, because with, with the Celtics, they do have that simple kind of... Uh, right, we've got Jalen Brown, we've got Tatum. If we get just enough from the other dudes, we can easily pull off a weird road win. They did it against Milwaukee. Like, a, like two different times that last series, you know? So if they can just key in on Jimmy Butler a little bit, stymie his influence just a touch, and then it makes it a lot tougher for the Heat. So, yeah, I think the Celtics can easily turn this around. Uh, did the injury to Smart and Horford... Being in the COVID protocols, mean the Celtics just sort of ran out of gas and options. Yeah, nah, yeah, it did. Like, it was amazing how focused they came out and how good Time Lord looked. And then, flip side, it was so, so, so amazing how much it flipped. <laughs> like, in the first half, it felt like they hadn't missed a trick. It looked like they are still playing against Milwaukee. And they were, like, just absolutely on one. And then defensively in that third quarter... That's where you missed Smart. That's where you missed Horford. Just with their intensity, their know-how, uh, their sage veteran wisdom on the court, maybe, maybe, maybe just slows that heat avalanche. And maybe one or two of them just gets a stop or two, hits a shot or two, as they all want to do, and stymies how bad it gets, and Celtics stay in that. So, yeah, a bit of a rough one. I mean, you take two starters from any team, and it's going to be a tough one. Anyway. Does winning the lottery give the Magic a legit chance to make waves next year? Yeah, nah. Nah. Unless they go with Jabari and, like, Mark L. Fultz takes a real fucking big step up and Johnny Isaac stops being a wanker, (laughs) actually decides to play basketball. Uh you got Wendell, you got Mo, you've got Franz. Like, there's talent on that team. It just feels like that sort of collection of talent needs like an otherworldly kind of talent to knit it all together. And I'm not convinced that Chet, Jabari, or Paolo is probably that otherworldly knitting talent. Uh, but still, I think they get better. But I think... It's one or two years away from really just turning into like something special. Speaking of which, do any of the top four in the lottery make the playoffs next year? Yeah. Nah. Oh, I'm still going to say nah. Cause I think you think about OKC, Orlando and Houston, and then of course Sacramento missing out on a top three pick in a top three heavy draft. Um, they're all really still in legit rebuilding mode, right? And they, all need not just one more piece. Like, no matter how good Jabari, Paolo, or Chet are, I think. Uh, weirdly, I kind of feel like the one that could maybe take that step and at least make the play tournament is probably OKC, right? Because I mean you think about their year this year, like, until SGA and Giddy got hurt and then sat uh, for tanking our purposes, which worked out very smartly, like, they were a dangerous floater. And, like, Giddy... And SGA, when they were playing together, like they had their moments, but either way, like when one of them was playing, like they looked dangerous at all times. So OKC just have that weird mix of like young dudes and a couple of uh, sneaky OK dudes, like you know Dort, man, Gids, SGA, etc. So maybe if you add Chet Holmgren to that, give him a big dude who can do a bit of crazy shit, maybe maybe. But otherwise, yeah, it just feels like Houston, Orlando, OKC and Sacramento are just that one step away still. Anyway. What about an unpopular opinion of the day? Now look at me, please. Look at Malik. Look at Malik. Look at Malik. Oh, man. I love, love, love the draft lottery, but that was fucking shit. Like, Malika Andrews, as I said, she was great. She was flying. She was explaining everything so quickly and so well. You're like, Yeah. Calm the fuck on with this broadcast. What are you doing, NBA? Give it some room to breathe. Let it have a chance to sit. Maybe have someone there on site to explain every little bit of what's happening right now. Cleveland, stay in the uh, 14th spot. After this year, the blah, blah, blah. In 13th, you have Charlotte. Blah, 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 blah. Charlotte did this this year. You're not doing this just for hardcore nerds. Like, If you want to get other people interested in what's happening in the drama and build up the tension, let it sit. Let it breathe. You don't have to fucking rush. When nothing changes, even then you can still just lean into it a little bit and make it very obvious as to what's going on. And then when someone does move up, you're like, oh, shit. Woo! Like without any big market teams essentially in the top 10, right? Like you've got less folks invested in it like literally just because they have smaller fan bases. But it's also going to give you less hype because of those giant media markets who are like, right, fuck it. What's our next big hope? Oh, the draft, off we go. The lottery, let's get the number one pick. You really need to lean in the broadcast without any big market teams, right? Now make it fun. Make it dramatic. Make it awesome. Make it a little bit weird. And they completely fucking cooked it. Jesus. I love the draft lottery more than most And that was just weird and fucky. You know? Killing me. Absolutely killing me. Right, what about Outback too, Kass? It's Wednesday at Outback, and you know what that means? Yep. The squid and I woke up this morning, walked out the back with some cricket bats, and as soon as we heard that, (coughs) bang! And you've got your aussie tiser as an appetizer. Kookaburra wings. Only at Outback. Freshly cooked. And today's flame-grilled take is Adam Silver rigged the lottery for the Magic again just as a reward for how they buried Jonathan Isaac and his dumb fuckery. Only at Outback, 100%. Adam Silver's like, Hey, uh, Orlando, you're not going to bring back Johnny Isaac, are you? And Orlando like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's like two weeks away. He's like, No. You're not bringing back Johnny Isaac. Orlando, like, oh, but he—he's like, he's getting healthy. No, Orlando, you need to sit him, and his dumb fuckery, and uh, maybe we'll make it worth your while. <laughs> That's the uh, the frozen envelope of this one. What do you reckon? Adam Silver just going, oh, I hate Johnny Isaac so much. <laughs> Let's fuck him off. You keep him buried. You get the number one pick. All right, let's be. Uh, let's take a quick break. Be back with the uh, great moment in Australia stat history. Right after this. This is Shane Hill and you're listening to NBA Australia. Great moments in NBA Australia stat history. Alright, Paddy Thrills Mills made his first Western Conference Finals appearance 10 years ago. Isn't that crazy to think about that Paddy Mills has been playing in conference finals and amazing games for 10 years now? I mean, he'd made the playoffs with Portland and whatnot, but yeah, first ever Western Conference Finals appearance in 2012 against OKC. Game 3. Game 3, he didn't play in the first two games. And uh, here we go. So, how's this? Ten years ago, dead set Aussie legend, Paddy Mills played his first ever Western Conference Finals game. And I'll tell you what, alongside Big Timmy Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, Manage and turn Parker, ha <laughs> ha I sleep with your wife. Paddy Mills got out there with an amazing head of hair and went up and lit him up. That's right, he lit up the KD Russ and Harden Thunder did a young Paddy Thrills. He played 10 minutes and 40 seconds. It was more thrilling than the opening chase of Mad Max Fury Road. And more thrilling than the first time I got to go on the Lethal Weapon ride up at Movie World on a Goldie back in 97. It was a great family trip that was. Uh, with the weight of a San Antonio Spurs on his shoulders, the Spurs down 20, the Torres Strait Terror came in and lit up the Thunder bright in the Sun for three points that would later be described as transcendent. Jaw dropping him better than the time I saw Daryl Braithwaite in our wood. That's right. Patty Cakes went one of five from the floor, ripped off an assist that was so pinpoint though you need a raid on microscope to see his deviation from his target. He also committed a turnover, but you get that on the big jobs. Look, Patty Mills got out there, proved that he was worth a uh, worth a bit of a shot. Sure they'd go on to lose those uh, Western Conference finals. 4 2 to the Thunder. Could go on to uh, lose to the hated. LeBron Wade Bosch Heat but of course he'd make the finals next year and then they win the whole bloody thing in 2014 because yeah only two years later Paddy Cakes will lead the Spurs to Larry O.B. trophy and be forever known as the dead set Aussie legend who became an NBA champ and this was uh, his first ever Western Conference finals game that's right good job baller Pat Paddy Cakes Paddy Thrills the Torres Strait Terror playoff Paddy 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 with the good hair love to see him on your Paddy Thrills all right. What about a uh, Patty Mills game day ball, a game day Twitter check in? This one is uh, always just going to be a Jingle and Joe Ingles one at this point, isn't it? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. All right. Jingle and Joe Ingles just out there. I reckon if Portland had have sent Joe Ingles to the draft instead of uh, Dame Lillard, they would have won. Like, because that's how you appease the karma basketball gods, right? Like Utah fucked up. They trade Joe. They get bounced in the first round. Portland should lean into having Joe on their team. Send him along. Anyway, uh, great one. Not everyone gets to train with kangaroos. Get to know more about Dante as he answers some of your questions. Uh, So Dante is out there just nominating Joey Ingles as his uh, favorite NBL player and now his favorite EuroLeague player, which is great. I enjoyed that. But also, Jingles tweeted out. Look, he actually tweeted out the draft lottery uh, stuff from the Blazers where it's like, soon, picture of a ping pong ball. Picture of their uh, logo, and Jingles retweeted that with the eyeballs emoji, a coffee emoji, at Trailblazers. So, love to see it. And there was also a great one with um, somebody basically uh, taking over Joey Ingles' identity and saying that he uh, went for a hike and took his seven-year-old boys and they had a blast. <laughs> Jingles is like, wait, what? I got no seven-year-olds. It's weird. Someone's trying to pretend to be Joe Ingles on the internet and review hiking trails. That's fucking weird. (laughs) People are weird. Either way, good on you, Joey. Right, let's do a game preview for tomorrow, though, you little beauty. Game preview. Game preview. Thanks inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah, not bad. Had a good day today. And uh, Squid's off at daycare. He's usually with me today, but uh, he's like, ah, man we got the draft lottery. You've got to do the show. Folks come around to look at their house and shit. So uh, shipped him off and he was happy as. So we went one of one on today's picks. Nailed the Miami pick. That leaves us at exactly 500 for the playoffs. 36-72. and (laughs) Good job. But tomorrow, game one, Golden State Dallas. We've got Luca and Co. going into San Francisco. And the Mavs are five-and-a-half-point underdogs in game one. And from what we just saw with Boston... They're going to roll straight off a series into the next series, having sort of figured out a few things that worked against Phoenix that they can probably apply against Golden State. Golden State, meanwhile, have had an extra couple of days to rest up, prepare, watch more film, figure out how they're going to defend Luca and the Mavs. And I think, I think we get a tight one. I'm going to go with Dallas, plus five and a half. It just feels like Luca is on that much of a roll at the moment that Golden State going, right, who do we throw at Luca to try to defend him? Do we throw Draymond? Do we throw Wigo? Do we throw Otto Porter? And you know the Mavs are just going to go absolute matchup hunting on defense. And then they're going to try to throw Reggie Bullock, Finney Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie at Steph, see what they can do. I feel like I just think Dallas's length might discombobulate Golden State just a little bit. But I think Golden State might even still win this. But I'm going to take the five and a half points for Dallas just because they're on such a roll at the moment that even though some of the losses against the Suns like were absolute massive blowouts, I think, I think they can keep this one close. So I'm going to go with Dallas. And if you want to, like, the previous game's between them, I mean, it was. There were some pretty close ones, right? Yeah, the Mavs win the last game, 122 113, 107 101. They got blown out in the second one, 130 92, by the Warriors. And the Mavs won game one. So they're up 3 1 in the season series. But there's a couple of close games there. I just kind of like the way that the Mavs are playing. I think they can keep this close. If they win, they win. If they lose, it's close. Give me the Mavs, plus five and a half. And uh, I think I'm sticking with my series prediction from yesterday, which is uh, Dallas in six. I just really like what their defense is doing. So Let's see what Golden State can do, because their defense is great. They don't have Gary Payton in the second, though. But they do get Steve Kerr back. So... Great series. Cannot wait. Give me Dallas plus five and a half. Bet the over. <laughs> See how it's always weird in game ones. You never know. But give me Dallas plus five and a half. Cannot wait for this series. going to be absolutely off the chain. Righto. So I'll wrap that up for you tomorrow. Shukas. Sure, All right. Well, uh, yeah. No skit after today's show because, as mentioned, I'm going to go run and meet the uh, builders looking at the house. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, face IGs, all over the socials. Check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz chopping it up about the NFL. Have a big NFL off-season show very, very soon. Uh, World Wrestling Australia with Adam over on YouTube. Go check that out. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Check us a rating review on your podcast app. Uh, Banging the code strea when you download the Knowable app. Get 20% off. How good's that? Big thanks also go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. And to Joshua Delarentis, fascinated. Goldmines, ramshackle army. Iowa section. I great, great, to doses for the juju here throughout the show. Those bands all rule. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J, and Earth Facey. Apple Music, Spotify. Have you listen to your bands. Follow along. Whatever. Do that. NBA Australia supports Training bands, so should you. All right, that's it for the show today. No skit. We'll have a uh, good one for you tomorrow, though. Trust me, should be right are going to be a diary of Steven Adams. Righto, we'll catch right, you tomorrow, you dickheads. is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? Go Mavs! And later, Hosanna! This game. I love it. I really love this game. I love it. I love it. I love this game. I love it. I really love it.